Hi, and welcome back to the Mock Draft Edition of NFL Game Time Podcast with your hosts. I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. We are officially in draft week. So much to get to. So Shai and I made a mock draft, an alternating mock draft. Shai took on the odd picks. I took on the even picks. We're going to go pick by pick of the first round. So Shai, let's get into it because it's game, game time. So Shai, you got the first pick, and to no surprise, it'd be it'd be nice if maybe there was like this huge surprise off the bat, but no surprise, you took Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, there's there's really, I mean, he's had the playbook for who knows how long now. It, it's just such a clear cut decision for the for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They made it clear. It seems pretty consensus that. He is the number one quarterback in this pro- uh, in number one quarterback prospect in this draft class. He's got the accuracy, he's got the athletic ability. He's really just got it all. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think at the end of the day, though, this pick is going to be determined on how good of it is more of what the Jaguars do later in this year's draft, in next year's draft, in really the next two to three years. Because we've seen, you know, as you know, Andrew Luck was great, but obviously he had to retire early due to the Colts not building an offensive line around him. Uh, David Carr of the Texans, first pick of the Texans, he was mainly a bust because of the Texans' inability to protect him and build around a team uh, around Carr. So I think with Lawrence, obviously, look, he seems to be a generational quarterback prospect. But I think this pick will really be determined on how great it ends up being for the Jacksonville franchise because of what they do after the pick and how, how they surround Trevor Lawrence, how they protect Trevor Lawrence, and put him in the best position to succeed. Because the Jaguars have not done a very good job of, of doing that in the past. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. And just touch on one thing that a lot of people will question where the Jaguars have done this offseason. That's franchising left tackle. Uh, franchise tagging left tackle Cam Robinson, and many people question this move, saying, "Why are you going to give him franchise tag money for one year? You're you're not trying to win now." They don't have a solution at left tackle. They know what they have at Cam Robinson. He's a younger guy, and I think it just it makes a lot of sense. They don't have a plan there. You need to protect Trevor Lawrence's blind side. I think just from what you were saying, it makes sense. Yeah, and it's a. I I actually really like this offensive line class as a whole. So I expect the Jaguars to use multiple day. Possibly they have another day one pick, and then day two. I really think they need to address this offensive line. Uh, really, the entire offensive line. Again, Karen, Cam Robinson, really solid player, but uh, the the rest of the offensive line has has some pretty sizable question marks. So, I had the number two pick, and again, no surprise, with the New York Jets, I took Zach Wilson. It really seems like that's the way the Jets are going, and it's kind of the same thing as we just laid out for Trevor Lawrence. We just saw how the Sam Darnold experiment ended in New York, and we'll see if Darnold can kind of regain some of that talent that he possessed at USC, but for the Jets, you have... Zach Wilson, remember, a year ago, not many people who knew who this guy was. Well, he had a great year, but he didn't face the Ohio States of the world and the Alabamas of the world. He faced some, you know, he faced some decent competition, but obviously not to the level that he now will be facing at in the NFL. 
So again, for me, it's kind of the same thing I just talked about with Trevor Lawrence. They have to build just a better team around Wilson to make him succeed. Because, again now, another top three pick used on a quarterback. And again, Jet Swifts will know, will, or will, are going to let this franchise know if they got it wrong. And if Wilson goes out and struggles again, or struggles like Darnold, Jets fans won't be happy. And obviously, you don't make a pick based on what the fan base wants and what the fan base thinks. But uh, the Jets need to, again, they need to protect Wilson and give him just a better chance to succeed than they ever did with Sam Darnold. I absolutely agree. I think, I don't really have a problem with the Jets taking Zach Wilson. I think he's the highest upside quarterback in this class with that arm. The zip he puts on the ball really does remind you of a poor man's Patrick Mahomes, but he can fit it in there. The problem here is what's around him right now. The offensive line, yes, Makai Becton shores up that left tackle spot. As you said with the Jaguars, there are other question marks along that line besides Kai Becton. Um, he's got some decent weapons. They paid. They're gonna. They paid Corey Davis. Denzel Mims is there. Jamison Crowder is still there. However, with Zach Wilson still being so raw, I do think this is a situation where it makes sense to have a veteran start at least. I would say ten games of the season. This is a rawer guy. He has the arm talent, but I think you know if if something. They, they threw Darnold, you know, into the frying pan immediately, you know, into the fire. And Darnold was also a lot more NFL-ready coming out. He was, he was viewed as a more NFL-ready prospect coming out of USC. And I was about to say actually the exact same thing. Again, a year ago, there were some questions of would Zach Wilson even be the starting quarterback for BYU? And obviously, he had a tremendous year, but... No, I think there's definite concern of Zach Wilson being the day one starter. In and look, I know we shouldn't make a too big deal. Too, you don't make a decision based on the fan base, obviously. But day one starter adding in, yeah, it's gonna be the New York market for a franchise that really hasn't had a franchise quarterback in quite some time. I, I mean, I, I think we could see some struggles early and uh, some, some restless fans early for the Jets so I agree with you I think they they definitely should go out and sign someone I know Flacco's now with Philly but I think it actually would have made sense maybe to bring him back and learn from a guy who like Flacco who's been around the league who has won a Super Bowl who's had success in the regular season and the postseason and who's also you know what Flacco lost his job to Lamar Jackson eventually so I think also Flacco's really been through it all I think it actually would have made sense for the Jets to bring him back, even if it was just more of a mentoring and a a placeholder role. And I also, you know, if the Broncos decide that they don't want to go after, even if they do go after Teddy Bridgewater, I think the Jets should look at potentially making a run at him. This is a guy who is obviously battled with significant injuries and resilience. He's a quick processor. He's got a great mind for the game. And that's something that's one of the knocks on Zach Wilson is he doesn't have the quickest, uh, not the quickest processor in this class. So I think to get him, you know, learning behind Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who also suffered a significant injury, you know, to kind of get Zach Wilson to say, all right, you can't just lower the shoulder when you're running. You've got to, you've got to put, you know, protect your body. So I think that could be a, a good fit as well. Something to keep in mind. 
And Joe Douglas and Scott Fitterer already have a relationship as they struck a deal for Sam Donald. So they already have some a bit of a relationship when it comes to trades coming into this. So, Shai, you kind of hit us with our first curveball here at number three. Why don't you tell people who you took and why? Yeah, I have not Trey Lance, not Mac Jones is getting all the hype, but actually Justin Fields here at three. And the, I, I understand all the hype is around Mac Jones, but to me it seems like this is something that surfaced you know, right after the trade and that they were interested in Jones. And then it kind of started building from there. And I'm not sure if that news is repeated reports or if actually this is just something that's being picked up. Because a lot can change between in, the, in those few weeks um, leading up. You know, Justin Fields had his second pro day. I think probably the, had the best pro day. Pro days aren't everything. You're not going to make a... If you make a decision based on a pro day, and, and don't factor in... If you make a decision based on pro days, you're going to be in trouble. I know, I know, but I think it was likely close for them, uh, so I think that that could have played into it. I also I do buy the fact that the, the Niners are looking for a guy; they don't have to develop a ton, and I that could be why they're interested in a guy like Mac Jones. But I think Justin Fields has a great blend of being, you know, more pro ready, being a pocket passer, but also having that athleticism. You can't look at Mac Jones to me and say. Wow, he's something that he has all the things that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have, and I just don't—I don't see that. I, I think Kyle Shanahan and um, John Lynch are smart enough to know that Mac Jones. Yeah, he may not have been there at twelve. He may not be there at twelve when the Eagles pick. Now we have—you know—we'll see what we have, Alex. But I think the Niners could have—you know—they—they they are very good with value. They are. They're smart guys. I think if they could have gauged that better, and maybe they trade up to seven with Detroit or eight with Carolina, that could have been you know a better Mac Jones spot. I think they have a better gauge for that than people think. And I I am calling that calling this as a little bit of a smokescreen, Alex. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I I'm still leaning towards. I think Mac Jones will ultimately be the pick. But if he's not the pick, I even think like Trey Lance. Uh, is the other option. Like, right now, if I were ranking percentages, I would probably have Justin Fields last uh, um, among the remaining top three quarterbacks available. Now, he's actually my quarterback three. I like him the third best, and even actually close between him and Wilson for second best. But I, I do I do think when it's awesome, then the Niners are going to select Mac Jones. And again, I think right now, and it was reported actually just today, that a decision has been made. We don't know that decision. But I do think right now it's going to, in my mind, be between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. I'm leaning Mac Jones. But I think Justin Fields, I think, uh, does make a lot of sense uh, for this offense, for Kyle Shanahan. So, I look, I would be a little surprised at this point if it's Justin Fields. But I think that I'm, you know, I wouldn't be blown away. And I think this pick does make a lot of sense if it ends up happening. So let's now go to the fourth pick. The Atlanta Falcons select Kyle Pitts. I never kind of bought full into the idea that they're taking quarterback. They still might take a quarterback. I'm not sure. But Matt Ryan still has three years of his contract left. I think he's still a pretty good quarterback, even at his age, even as he's 
you know, moving later and later into his 30s. So an- another telling sign was they structured his contract where now, basically, he's under contract for at least two years. They cannot get out of the contract without uh, without cutting him and getting a significant dead cap hit for another two years. You don't make that type of move, in my mind, if you're about to take a quarterback. I mean, maybe they could take Trey Lance, because Trey Lance, I think, does require at least one year, maybe one plus year of development. So that potentially could make sense. But I think Atlanta's going to go... If they don't trade out, I, I'm leaning against them taking quarterback, and I just think they're going to take the best player on their board. And all signs point to that being Kyle Pitts, the kind of do-it-all weapon. And I will say... Matt Ryan throwing to Kyle Pitts, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley will be a scary, scary trio. I absolutely agree. I think this is like a a potential trade-down spot. Now, I do think it's also very likely that the Falcons say, you know what, we love Kyle Pitts. Many teams do, Alex. And they say, you know, let's give Matt Ryan the best possible chance the most firepower possible to go out and win football games and simply put put more points than the other team puts, you know, just outscore them. That's how you win games. But usually you play a little defense, Alex. I don't know how the Falcons are are, are going to do that next year. But the, if you, you have to think if they go Kyle Pitts, the rest of this draft has got to be focused on the other side of the ball. That's what concerns me here. Uh, would you? I, I just don't know if Parsons or Sertan are worth the fourth overall pick. Right, exactly. So maybe you trade down with a team, you know, potentially like Denver that might be wanting a quarterback. We'll see. But I, I, I think Kyle Pitts is a tremendous player. I think that would be the smart move trading down. It's just all about, you know, it takes two to tango. Are there going to be multiple suitors where they can leverage them against each other? But I think the ideal scenario for Atlanta is a trade down. So, Shai, here's a pick. You, number five, you, Bengals, you took Penny Sewell. And before you kind of get into your, uh, before you kind of explain your, uh, the thought process, which I think is very clear, the Bengals should take Penny Sewell. No doubt about it. No question about it. I think I, I will, for their sake, I hope they take Penny Sewell. But this was a mock draft we, this was kind of our predictions of what teams will do, not what we would do. And I'm leaning towards, I think they might take Jamar Chase. And I think that would be a mistake for them. But again, if I were predicting it right now, I'm leaning towards them taking Jamar Chase. But again, for their sake, I hope I hope you're right and they and they do take Penny Sewell. Because I always say this, if there's a comparable offensive tackle and a receiver, you take the tackle 1,000 times out of 1,000, no questions asked, the, unless the Bengals are offered a king's ransom for this pick, this pick absolutely one hundred percent should be Penny Sewell in my mind, even over Kyle Pitts if he's if he is there, uh, come draft day. Yeah, we see absolutely eye to eye. Look, to me, this comes down to management versus Joe Burrow, and the it's been reported that the Bengals have had their eyes on Sewell for a while. They've been really been looking at them. You know, there's been all these, you know, Penny Sewell signs at the Bengals game. It's not that that particularly matters at all. But there, there's clearly been some interest in Penny Sewell for a while. And I think when when uh, Zach Taylor and, and Bengals management looks at this, they're going to say, 
we need to protect Joe Burrow. And this is not about, you know, what he wants. This is about keeping him on the field. Because if Joe Burrow suffers another injury or if he, he's getting harassed in the pocket, it's really not going to matter. And I think, you know, in terms of keeping their jobs, if they pass on Penny Sewell and that Bengals offensive line is as makeshift as it was last year, I think it, we're going to see a couple already a coach who's potentially on the hotter seat already coming up on Zach Taylor and potentially a general manager as well. So I think they, they go with the smart pick. They say, you know, look, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase is a great player, but Panay Sewell is a potential, you know, he's kind of like a Tristan Wirfs if he had a baby with Quinn and Nelson, he played tackle. That's how I would say, like, his upside. No, I, I, I agree with you. Offensive tackle is also just a more valuable position than receiver. Like, with all due respect to the receiver position, offensive tackles, like, elite and top-tier offensive tackles are just more difficult to find. And I also think you take Sewell, you move Jonah Williams to right tackle. That You're taking pressure off Jonah Williams, who then I think can, you know, now that he's the right tackle, now that he's not kind of, you know, this kind having to save the offensive line, I think then that can make Williams more comfortable, and then you can get actually pretty good tackle play. You'd still have to maybe play with the interior of the offensive line, but you can also do that throughout the middle rounds as it's a very good, very deep interior offensive line class. So, Miami Dolphins, I did not take Jamar Chase. I, I really thought about it. But I went with Devontae Smith, and this could be a gut thing. I'm not really sure. But I think at the end of the day, first off, I think Chase might be gone uh, by this pick in the real draft. I think, as I said, I think Chase might be going five to Cincinnati. So I went with, I went with Devontae Smith. I just think Miami takes one of the Bama receivers. And, you know, I'm kind of going back and forth. I feel like every hour, Waddle, Smith, Smith, Waddle for the Dolphins at six. But I do think that they will end up pairing, if they stay at six, which is not a guarantee, I do think they end up pairing Tua Tonga Viola, one of his former receivers, in this case, Devontae Smith. I think size could be a bit of a concern for the Dolphins, uh, which that could be a reason why they end up going Waddle. But he's such, he's such an advanced uh, route runner. He knows how to get open. And, I mean, he has stayed healthy up until this point, so... I, I'm I'm going with Devontae Smith. Again, I do think Jamar Chase is the best receiver in this draft. But again, I'm predicting that the Dolphins will take one of the Bama one of the Bama receivers when all is said and done. I think that uh does make a lot of sense. I think when we look at these receivers and comparing them, uh Devontae Smith is the is the separator. He's the best route runner out of the trio. And Tua Tagovailoa has struggled with what is NFL open. I think if you get a guy like Devontae Smith that can separate at an elite level, that's going to make Tua's job that much easier. Yeah, I will say the one concern about Smith, other than the um, other than the uh, weight and height issues, is some of Smith's routes I thought were solid but weren't great to the point where it's like, well, okay, that route won't get you open in the NFL. But overall, he does know how to run a pretty complete route tree. So, number seven, another receiver off the board. Back-to-back wideouts here. Shy, with the Detroit Lions, you did take Jamar Chase here. Yeah. I think, had it had you 
taken Alex, um, Jamar Chase, I would have went Devontae Smith. But with this scenario, I don't think uh, I don't think the Lions have any complaints. I think they fall in love. I think Matt Campbell falls in love, frankly, with Smith's you know competitiveness, with his size, with his frame, with his ability to go up and get the football and out physical uh, corners at at and high point the ball. Which is pretty I, crazy, I, given he's only what six foot, maybe six one, six but one, really, I, I mean. First time I saw him, I'm thinking this guy's six three. I look up his height, I see six foot, six one, and I was pretty blown away that he was making those type of contested catches at his stature. Right. I think just the physicality there makes a lot of sense for what for what kind of the branding and the identity that Detroit is looking for with this football team. Number eight now, Carolina. I took the second of kind of the top-tier offensive linemen, and that that is Rashawn Slater. It seems like ever since that they acquired Sam Donald, there's been just a lot of rumblings that Panthers really, really like Slater. I think it makes a lot of sense. They franchise-tagged Taylor Moten. Now you kind of get his counterpart at the tackle position. Now you could really have bookend tackles for your new quarterback. And again, Donald had Becton at the end of his Jets tenure, but for most of his career, he did not have anyone that was reliable on that offensive line. To have now, two, again, two bookend tackles in the form of Taylor Moten and Rashawn Slater, I think would really be beneficial to Darnold, who again is sneaky mobile, and as we saw, a lot of his highlight reel plays for the Jets, there might not be many, but a lot of them are basically just him running for his life. Exactly. I think Rashawn Slater is a Swiss Army knife in the offensive line. Plug him in plug and play anywhere obviously tackle is is more you know the more kind of valued position but I, I i really do love this pick for the carolina panthers you've got to surround sam darnold with the the best in, in the best possible situation he's got the weapons dj moore robbie anderson who he has that jets connection with but now you solidify that offensive line and really just kind of let Sam Donald have time in the pocket to kind of run that uh, that kind of vertical passing game that Matt Rule really liked to, to employ last year. I, I really do love this uh, this pick for the Panthers. So now, Shy, you had the fourth quarterback uh, going off the board here at number nine. Kind of tell, tell us your thought process there. Yeah, so this is going to be Trey Lance. And the only other player that I was thinking about, we had a little bit of discussion about while we were making this, was Micah Parsons. And I think it could make a lot of sense for him to go to Denver, have Vic Fangio kind of mold him uh, with his with his kind of experience, with kind of creating these athletic linebackers into these stud athletes, these stud football players. However... I think Trey Lance falls here. I don't think the Broncos can say no to this. Drew Locke has been serviceable, but at a certain point when you're completing 55% of your passes, I, it's just not going to cut it. And I think this this offense is very, uh, very much ready. The offensive line was much better last year. Um, they've got Melvin Gordon. They've got the weapons they need the quarterback. And I think the reports that they're targeting Teddy Bridgewater makes a lot of sense. 
have Trey Lance learn behind him, I, I just I, it seems like almost a magic in heaven. As I said, I think Trey Lance probably should sit at least a year. I mean, maybe if there's a meaningless game or two at the beginning of the year, you want to get him some game action. I'm fine with that, but and I really don't think he should be getting uh, a ton of playing time in his first year. Lance, Lance, in my mind, I think might have the most upside in this draft, but I think. He, um, at least among the top five guys, he's the most raw, and I think there's, and I think it's a pretty big gap between him and the next uh, most raw quarterback uh, of the of kind of the fantastic five, as as we kind of label them as. So now finishing out the top ten, America's team, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. I am taking Patrick Sertan. I'd be surprised if they don't go cornerback. This is value meets need at its finest. Sertan, he's NFL ready, and you never draft uh, for that. The 2021 draft isn't about 2021. You're drafting, yes, maybe for a little 2021, but mostly down the line. But Sertan is a player who I believe can step in right away, help the Cowboys contend in 2021, while also being... Uh, plugging a big need at a premium position in the long term. Cornerback, I think, is one of the four biggest or four most premium positions in the NFL, especially as the league becomes more and more pass-heavy. I like Trayvon Diggs. I actually really do. I just think he's more of a really solid corner two. Now you get your true shutdown corner one in Sertan, who, again, from Alabama, he's ready. He's not—I I don't—excuse me. I don't expect him— to commit that many penalties, which I think is also big, and you see that a lot from young rookie corners. So, look, it's going to be tough to see him in a Dallas uniform, but I'm really excited uh, to see him really from day one because I think he can make a big contribution uh, starting in September 2021. Yeah, for me, since both of the top offensive linemen are off the board and Slater and Sewell, this has got to be the best defensive player available, and that's Patrick Sertan. At a huge position of need. He's NFL ready. Plug and play, Alex. So, Shy, you made the pick for my New York Giants. So, we kind of planned this out. I wouldn't pick for the Giants. You wouldn't pick for your Steelers. But we kind of agreed with this pick. Uh, you obviously took Ajiz Ojulari, the edge rusher from Georgia. That's kind of who I was leaning as well. Uh, I guess kind of you can offer your uh, unbiased opinion on why you end up thinking that's who the Giants will select here at 11. Yeah, so the reports have been that they're more and more zeroed in on edge rusher, which makes a lot of sense um, given their needs on the, on the defensive side of the ball for a defense that was actually quite underrated last year, as you know, Alex. And it really seems to me between Pay, Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, and Aziz Ojolari. When we look at Quiddy Pay, he's just doesn't have the, quite the same production. He's a great athlete, a great run defender, but the pass protection is really all motor right now. Not a lot of... Do you mean... Protection. I think you mean rushing. Right, right, right. The pass, what did I say? Protection. Oh, yeah, the pass rush... Yeah, for Quiddy Pay is... Hey, is you know, Shai, if he, can, if he can be that good of an edge rusher and protect Daniel Jones, I mean, I think the Giants might need a run to the podium for Quiddy Pay. If he can do both... We should change the pick. No, yeah. Uh, he He's a great run defender, doesn't have a refined uh, repertoire of pass rush moves quite yet. I think the Giants are going to be looking for someone who's a little bit more 
uh, technically sound in that regard. Jalen Phillips is, but I don't think Dave Gettleman loves that medical history there. They want someone who can play right away, who's going to be committed um, in the big blue. I think that leaves Aziz Ojolari. He's got that great competitiveness. He's a little undersized, but he really does know how to use his hands. And he's very, very good. He's very technically refined. The one thing about him is he's not particularly bendy, which could be a problem when you get to the NFL and have to beat these bigger offensive tackles that are going to be stronger than you and harder to get around. Yeah, again, I'm I'm kind of with you as well, uh, especially kind of your evaluation. I will say, uh, Ojulari, he's going to turn 21 in June, so he's still really young. So he still has plenty of time to continue to develop some of that bend around the edge that you were referring to. I, I've seen, though... Over the last 24 to 48 hours, there have been some rumblings about the Giants potentially loading up on cornerback. So I wouldn't rule out a corner. I know they signed Adore Jackson. They already have James Bradbury. But I wouldn't rule out J.C. Horn with this pick. I definitely think a cornerback is in play. The Giants were also, Joe Judge, was also at uh, Penn State's Pro Day. And that could have been for Micah Parsons. But I also think it definitely could have been for Jason Owe. Again, I don't think Owe will be the pick here. But he's kind of a why I would throw him in as almost like a wild card option. So now the Philadelphia Eagles, and this would be one of their probably dreams come true. They take Jalen Waddle, kind of the last, the last of the big three at the receiver position, speedster, giving Jalen Hurts a weapon that you know he can really thrive with, and it, and they were at Alabama at the same time, so he also has some. Uh, some prior experience with Jalen Waddle uh, from their college days. This pick, I just think, made a lot of sense. Again, value, need. Obviously, the Eagles kind of swung and missed with Jalen Rager last year. And now, you know, hey, you're going to give uh, Jalen Hurts kind of one year to prove he's the guy, and you want to you wanna make sure you're giving him all he can so you get a fair evaluation of the player Jalen Hurts can be. This was one of the moves trading back from 6 to 12 that I really like that Howie Roseman did. I can't say that for a lot of his recent moves, particularly um, uh, when, it re- when it relates to the NFL draft. So good on them. They get their guy in Jalen Waddle to give uh, Jalen Hurts a true separator and speedster at the wide receiver position. Now let's go another second-year quarterback with the Los Angeles Chargers, getting some help on the offensive line. You had him taking Christian Darisaw, offensive tackle at Virginia Tech. This is, again, this is the pick I would have made as well. A lot of agreement so far between the two of us. But, uh, again, I think it's probably a little high for Darisaw. I would feel more comfortable in more of the mid to late teens selecting him. But I don't think this is a huge reach by any stretch of the imagination. And again, the offensive line is, in my mind, the biggest need. They did cut Casey Hayward, so maybe there's an outside chance they could take a Caleb Farley or J.C. Horn if if uh, one of those two are still on the board, and I expect at least one of them to be. But uh, I, this pick, I, th- I just think, makes a lot of sense. Uh, really, again, I think it's decent value. Not great value, but decent value. And again, a huge need. You went out. I love the Corey Lindsley signing. You had a veteran presence at center. And now you get a guy in Darisaw who he's kind of being overshadowed by Slater and Sewell. But Darisaw should be a, a plug-and-play guy. can step in right away. 
and produce at a fairly high level. I'm not sure, but Christian Derrissaw is my third favorite tackle prospect. But the fact that he plays left tackle and is going to protect Justin Herbert's blind side and just be a really solid plug-and-play guy just makes him the, the, the clear selection at 20. The Chargers have... Put, 13. Uh, or sorry, I said 20. 13. At, uh, for the Chargers, they made an emphasis of you know, protecting Justin Herbert. Matt, they signed Matt Flyer, you meant, Filer. You mentioned the Corey Lindsley signing. But I want to just throw something in here. You said that this is a little early for Darissa. I agree. Could this potentially be a trade-down spot with the team looking for a quarterback in Matt Jones? Who is falling now? The Raiders potentially could be interested. Well, you said number 20. You did say number 20. Maybe you... Maybe, have, maybe you jump to the future, and maybe they are picking 20 after uh, striking a deal with the Chicago Bears. I definitely... If a quarterback is still available, I definitely think uh, really any of these teams. The Giants, probably not the Eagles if Waddle's still there, but I definitely could see Philly. Uh, the Chargers. I think any of these teams kind of in this range. If, a, if one or two quarterbacks... Are there? I definitely think those teams will be aggressive in in making calls to teams below them to see if they want to uh, jump other, jump other teams and get get their potential franchise quarterback. Especially the Giants. Get Gettleman. I I think wants nothing more than just to prove everyone wrong that he's willing to make a deal. <laughs> so, and as a Giants fan, I would love that uh, if he traded down. So, I definitely think in this range, oh, any of these teams could could strike a deal to move down with Washington or Chicago. Or New England. Or even the Raiders. So, back-to-back offensive linemen here as we reach the Minnesota Vikings. Not not quite a tackle, but items selecting Elijah Vera Tucker. This is another very tough pick. They could take an edge rusher. They could take potentially a corner. They did sign Patrick Peterson, but that's only a one-year deal. It seemed like Dantzler and Gladney did get better as the year progressed, but there's still some question marks there. I end up going Vera Tucker... You know, they selected Garrett Bradbury. I feel like we've been talking about the Vikings' offensive line issues for years. And, I mean, maybe it's just because they've had other holes that we haven't talked about it as much as of late. But, again, I think this is solid value with Vera Tucker. I think I expect him to go into kind of the mid-teens. Probably I think that's around where he should go. That's exactly where Minnesota is taking him here. And, again, they feel a need along the offensive line. So, this again, this is just another... Another pretty good example of, uh, I think, solid value and Minnesota filling a need. Yeah, this I this is absolutely the pick I think Minnesota should make, the pick I would make. I do think Mike Zimmer does go defense and select an edge rusher here, Alex. Talk quickly about why you don't think that happens. Um, I'm not, to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked one way or another. I think, though, that... yeah. This is difficult for me, but they should be getting Daniel Hunter back, and I think that'll be a boost within itself. Um, they already—I know he's not quite an edge rusher, but they did bring in Dalvin Tomlinson to boost the overall interior and overall defensive line, so I think that should help uh, the Vikings' defense. And then I think, yeah, like, as well. and I mean, look, me, the, it, it really might come down to how they view these edge rushers because they're such wild cards. Phillips with the concussions, as you mentioned, pay has the tools, hasn't really put it all together. It's really going to come down to how these different coaching staffs and front offices view these edge rushers. And that's just, we just don't know that from an outsider's perspective. Vera Tucker's a more, I think, a more sure thing. 
than those guys. Absolutely agree. So, Shy, 15. Mac Jones is still there, but you did not take him with the New England Patriots, which might come as a surprise to some. You opted to continue to bolster their defensive or their secondary with J.C. Horn as there have been rumblings of the Patriots completely overhauling their secondary, potential trades of Gilmore, and maybe there's some flurries of that uh, J.C. Jackson could also be on the trading block. Yeah, I, I, I just think Bill Belichick cannot resist a, a corner with the size, the resume, you know, the, the athleticism, the ball skills. J.C. Horn has really has it all here, and I have him very close to Patrick Sertan, 1A, 1B for me. I just don't think Bill Belichick can resist, and frankly, I don't think he's enamored with Mac Jones, just because simply, yeah, Tom Brady is also not very athletic, and he's a quick processor as well, but doesn't mean that Bill Belichick has his eyes set on him. Um, I, 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 again, I also think they want a more mobile guy. Shows that they brought in Cam Newton, I think that was a a, a particular choice, a stylistic choice that Josh McDaniels made in terms of turning their the Patriots' offense in a different direction. So I have them taking probably the best player available here at J.C. Horn. Patriots, they're hiding what they do. Great job of doing it every year. We really don't know what the Patriots are up to behind the scenes, and that's what makes the draft fun and interesting when we have no clue what's going to happen. So now, the Arizona Cardinals, I had them select Caleb Farley. I think if that back checks out, and I know that's a big if, I think this could be a potential steal for the Cardinals. You get your Patrick Peterson replacement. Farley is maybe the best man-to-man corner in this draft. If he didn't have that back issue, he's probably a top 10-12 to pick. I think he's very much in the conversation, starting with 9 at Denver, 10 with the Cowboys. So now, injuries drop him to 16. And again, Cardinals, I think this would be a very good pick for the Cardinals. Really nice value if he can stay on the field. And again, feels a big need, big glaring need in that Cardinals defense. Yeah, so you're, you're not super concerned with that, that back injury, Alex. Because there are guys like potentially Greg Newsom or an Eric Stokes or a Sante. I just think that's a li- I just think that's too... At 16, one of those guys is too high. I think if I'm not taking Farley here... I'm not taking. I'm not taking a corner. I I think I like Newsom. I do, but I think 16 is just too high. I I think it is too high, but I think the Cardinals who are looking to compete right away may not want to risk the the back injury that Caleb Farley has been dealing with. He's a great player. Might be the best quarterback corner in the class um, if healthy, but that's an if. So now. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders are up, and Shy, you had him taking Micah Parsons, which makes a lot of sense. I, I, it seems like they love Parsons. Um, I don't know if he'll even be there at seventeen, but if he's there, that really does at least sound like a match made in heaven. And also, the Raiders are known for not really caring about uh off the field or maturity issues. Yeah, I think. This is likely best player available for Mike Mayock here. And you mentioned it. They don't really care much about off-the-field issues. They see the athleticism. They see 
you know, that ability for Micah Parsons to be side on the sideline, to be good in coverage, just really to get after the passer. He's got all the tools. He's a guy that's going to need some development at the next level to really become a true Micah linebacker. But I do think it's really hard for them to resist. And talent-wise, probably the best player available at this spot. So now let's go to the Miami Dolphins. I am going edge rusher, the second edge rusher available, or I guess off the board now. And I am taking Kowiti Pay. I think they go edge rusher here. Um, I really do, and I think I've heard there's a lot of buzz surrounding Miami and Quiddy Pay. So I, this is a pick that I, I uh, it's tough. Really, all these picks are tough. I really, it's really tough to get a sense of what these teams are looking for, especially this far down the board. But uh, I think Miami tries to bolster uh, their pass rushing unit because their secondary was incredible, one of the best last year. But they could use more uh, from an edge rushing standpoint. I definitely see that happening, especially with uh, Vera Tucker going off the board as well as uh, guys like Darisaw as well. They may have wanted to go offensive line, but I think Quiddy Pay might be a mix of best player available. And we know that Brian Flores wants that defense to be absolutely top-notch with that pass rush. Yeah, so my one of the Miami pass rushers are probably hoping Miami takes him because then they won't have to move anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> So, Shai, you had Washington's pick, and finally, nineteen. it took 19 selections, but finally Mac Jones, the fifth quarterback in our mock draft, is off the board. Now, I think we both, this was a no-trades mock draft. We did not want trades. I know it's maybe a little old school, but we did not do any trades. In a more realistic scenario, I think we both think that Mac Jones or whomever the fifth quarterback goes will probably be probably be off the board before this pick whether it's a trade-up or a surprise team taking quarterback but again in a no trades mock this is how things fell right I think just the reason why I think Washington just thinks this is a no-brainer I I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is clearly a bridge quarterback there you know Taylor Heineke played very well but it's a small sample size. I don't think that Daniel Snyder really believes in him, and, and I don't know about how Ron Rivera feels about him as well. But this is really – it's been Daniel Snyder's selection the past, you know, however many years. I don't know. I don't think it is. I think Snyder's – at least – I mean, last year was Chase Young, and I think kind of they agreed on there, on that front. But I think last year, I think – Snyder kind of took a step off the gas pedal and kind of let Ron Rivera uh, come run run his operation. I think he's going to do the same this year as well. It could be, but I do think that will be the input from the owner if Mac Jones is here. And I don't know if Ron Rivera you know, should or will disagree with that, considering that they don't really have much of a long-term guy behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, in my opinion. Again, depending on how they feel about Tanner Hyde. I mean, for all we know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the long-term guy, the way he's the way he's going. Exactly, yeah. But I think this is likely a spot where they'd like to bolster their linebacker, their linebacking core. They say, we can do that later in the draft. We take the best player available. We get uh, our quarterback of the future. And I yeah. think the Bears are now really kind of pissed off. You said linebacker. I could easily see this pick possibly being a Koromoa. A lot of reports that Washington also, if he starts to fall a little, could make an aggressive approach to trade up for a Trey Lance, possibly. 
So let, let's round out the top 20. I had the Bears pick, and I took Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. There just seems to be a lot of rumors and rumblings that this is the pick, and it makes a lot of sense. If the Bears aren't going quarterback, I definitely think offensive line is one of their bigger needs. It seems like Tevin Jenkins has kind of solidified being that, that number four offensive tackle, number fifth overall offensive lineman. And again, number 20 just makes a, a, lot, of, a lot of sense uh, on numerous fronts. Yeah, Alex, in my opinion, this is the best run blocker in the class. He's absolutely a mauler at that right tackle spot. Did you have him? I, I have a question. Did, you said Darisol was not your number three offensive tackle. Was it Tevin Jenkins or was it a Cosme or Mayfield or Leatherwood? It is Tevin Jenkins. I think the reason why uh, Darisol goes there is because he's played left tackle. Uh, I think, you know, potentially Tevin Jenkins could try to make a transition to left tackle. But that, that's never a sure thing. They're very different positions. I do see him as the best run blocker in the class, including Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater. So as a guy who's, you know, look at offensive tackles being a Steelers fan, I don't know if they'll take one, but I this is a great pick for the running, the, the power run that the Chicago Bears like to run. So now let's move number 21, Indianapolis College. You had him taking Samuel Cosme, a guy who, before the collegiate season, it seemed like he had the potential to go in the top 10 to 15 picks. Now, a lot of mock drafts are miss, are missing him, not until really the mid and second round, if mock, even if mock, if mock drafts even go two rounds. So he's a guy that, I mean, it seems like he might miss out in the first round based on maybe what what we might be hearing. But you still have him as a first-round selection. I do, I do. This is a guy I think is maybe experiencing a little bit of draft fatigue. Uh, him and Leather, I would throw Leatherwood. Him and Leatherwood really seem to be in that category. Right. And I think part of the reason why Leatherwood is experiencing that is because of his poor performance at the Pro Bowl. He did not do well against, you know, pass the, rushers that are you, going to go probably in the Did you Did you mean, you said... Pro Bowl. Did you mean the Senior oh, Bowl pro or Pro Day or Senior Bowl? I see. I'm getting my words mixed up today. Um, yeah, the he had a poor performance at the Senior Bowl. That's probably why Alex Leatherwood stock has been tanking. Samuel Cosme. I don't see the reason for it. He plays left tackle. He plays it well. He's a fantastic athlete. The Colts need to fill the void that Anthony Costanzo left with his retirement and put Carson Wentz in the best position to win. He can't be hit, you know, 50 times like he was uh, in Philadelphia. Can't happen. Yeah, I have a slight... I, I could see this pick definitely happening. I think if the if Jenkins goes... I think they could be targeting Jenkins. If he does indeed go at 20, I could see them taking Jalen Phillips or one of the top edge rushers available. I also think, like, if I had to guess a tackle, I'm leaning Liam Eichenberg. It looks like Eichenberg's stock is rising rising here to the point where he could be kind of a mid-to-late first-round pick. So I think this range would make sense. So I think Cosme is a solid pick, but the way things are trending, uh, you know, good for him if he goes as high, but I don't quite see it, again, kind of just the way things are trending at this point. Alex, just real quick, you mentioned Tevin Jenkins at that spot. Would he move to left tackle in that scenario? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, it's definitely something that's probably going on in the heads of Chris Ballard and the Colts, uh, and um, the Colts front office. But I think that's something where if he's the highest player on your board, or if he's one of the highest, and it feels, 
and ends up at a premium position. I'm kind of for take the player, and then you can kind of work out left tackle, right tackle afterwards. So, 22, Tennessee Titans. I had them taking Jalen Phillips. I know they signed Bud Dupree, but I think this is really good value for Phillips if he stays healthy. And I know that is a humongous if, one of the biggest ifs on in the draft. But if he can stay healthy, I think this could be an absolute steal for the Tennessee Titans. I think even factoring in the injuries, this is probably the range I think you can expect him to go anyway. So I think really good value for uh, the Titans. And look, you need multiple edge rushers on the field at one time. So I don't think signing Bud Dupree should stop Tennessee from taking an edge rusher if they are the best player available. And in this case, they are. I considered Greg Newsom. You know, they parted ways with Malcolm Butler. They parted ways with Adoree Jackson. So I did consider Greg Newsom here. But I just think uh, Phillips and his value would be too good to pass up at 22. Yeah, I, for me, this is one of the picks I did have a little bit of a problem with, Alex. I think Jalen Phillips is tremendous. They have nothing in corner. I mean, it is rough. Their secondary was probably, in my opinion, significantly worse than their pass rush. And let's remember, they have Harold Landry on the other side who had a very nice second half. That is true. Right. That is that is a fair point. So I, I would have it Greg Newsom. I see the, the, see the fact that Jalen Phillips could potentially be best player available and they go corner maybe in the second or third round. But for me, I think this is a Greg Newsom spot. Well, speaking of Greg Newsom, you had Newsom going here at number 23 to the Jets. I agree with this pick as well. Uh, obviously, you have family that went to Northwestern, so you obviously are a fan that you're going to most likely have two Northwestern uh, pl- prospects being drafted in the first round. Um, the program has turned around so much in the past few years. I mean, look, you gave Justin Fields a run for his money there uh, You know, in what, the Big Big Ten championship game, I believe. He's, I mean, I think if... Uh, if- Northwestern doesn't shut him down, and as well as Indiana, he goes number two overall, Alex. Quite possibly. So kind of explain, I mean, you know, again, you obviously said Newsom, that you think this is his, his range. I think it potentially can be as well. Jets, you know, I, they do need a build around Zach Wilson, but they have enough picks in, on days two, days three, and even next year where they don't have to spend every pick uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And again, a decent value. This is probably around... The highest I would take him in kind of the 22-23 range. That's, I think, his ceiling here. But, again, decent pick. And, again, the Jets could really use help uh, in their secondary. For sure. Now let's get... Your Pittsburgh Steelers. I had the honor of making the pick. And, look, I'm a Giants fan. And to say... Putting it generously... The Saquon Barkley pick has not exactly worked out. But, and I've, I think I've been a cautionary tale to you. I think every time you've offered the suggestion of taking a running back in the first round, I've yelled at you. You know, nothing, if you yelled at you and just anyone just saying, you know, don't take running backs in the first round. But this is a mock draft of what we think teams will do, not what we would do. So I did it. I mocked Najee Harris to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, if I'm the Steelers, I'm taking a Jalen Mayfield, a Liam Eikenberg, and Alex Lillerwood. I'm addressing the tackle position. I'm addressing that offensive line. That offensive line is either old or mostly gone. Villanueva's out the door. Uh, Filer left to the, go to the Chargers. Pouncey retired. 
Steelers need offensive line help, but the way things are trending, I think they are going to end up taking Najee Harris. It's 24. It's not number two overall, so there is a difference between when this and when the Giants took Saquon. But I definitely think the Steelers have more pressing needs to address at more valuable positions where there's definitely some good players that would that would meet that value. Yeah, Najee Harris is a tremendous player. I think probably are both of our number one running backs right now. Um, I the problem is just the durability of the position. They really only start are the starting guy in their prime for maybe four years, I'd say, and then it's just such a replaceable position as well with so, so many other needs. Not only an offensive line, but at corner as well losing Mike Hilton replacing him would be um, something that they need to do not necessarily in the first round of this dra- of this draft but definitely eventually and then also it's the center position is there as well on the offensive line I think Najee Harris can be a respectable pick if they can if they really truly believe that he can give them four yards a carry behind this terrible offensive line but I just don't see it working out so that's it. You're you're obviously not thrilled with the pick, but that is that looks like the way the Pittsburgh Steelers are heading. Jacksonville Jaguars at twenty five. You took Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, J O K for short. This is in my mind, and I agree with you on this pick. Taking the best player available again. You want to support Trevor Lawrence, but the defense could also use some help. Koromoa or Owusu Koromoa, I would be a little surprised if he's available at this spot. But this is how the board fell and. In terms of Jacksonville, this is just them taking the best player on their board, and I don't think you can fault them for that. Yeah, this is a no-brainer, Alex. They need tremendous help and safety. There's talk of maybe this is a Trayvon Mary pick, but Owusu Koromoa is a guy who's kind of a hybrid linebacker or safety. I believe they do have Joe Schobert on the mic playing inside linebacker. They can move Owusu Koromoa around, have him kind of be like a defensive chess piece, if you will. I think it's just a no-brainer, just take the best player available. Address offensive line with your two second-round picks. Right, and even receiver. I think they could also target a receiver along with offensive line. Great receiver class, very deep at that position as well. So now, Shy, the Cleveland Browns, I am taking Christian Barmore. They cut Sheldon Richardson. It's possible they could also bring him back after the draft, but I think this is solid value Barmore had, I mean, Barmore stock exploded and skyrocketed during the collegiate, during the college football playoff. I mean, he was all over the place, running plays, passing plays. He was in the backfield, uh, regardless of the situation. I know there's a recent report. Is he how coachable is he? Teams are worried off by that. I don't know. I, I it's I think the timing of it is interesting. It could also be a team that's hoping Barmore falls to them and is putting out these false reports again. Like it's he 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 played for Nick Saban. It's probably I feel like if he wasn't coachable, Saban would not have trusted him and put him out there as much as he did. I find that very hard to believe. Going to Alabama, playing as much as he did, the trust Saban had on him. As we know, Saban is not afraid to bench you. He's going to get on you. I have a hard time believing that he wasn't coachable. I, I, I just find that a little hard to believe, and I think the timing of this report is also very interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I think 
Christian Barmore is, is a very good player. This is a round where the range where he could start to go. I might prefer edge rusher or maybe a, a, a linebacker here. I'm looking at Zayvon Collins. I think that could be a great kind of defensive chess piece for the Browns to, to, to use. Might also be best player available for them. But I, I don't fault you for taking Barmore. I think he could be tremendous on the interior. They did sign Malik Jackson. Um, but you can never have too many of those rotational guys. Barmore who offers you know both that run defense, but also that ability to get after the passer. So now let's go the Baltimore Ravens. One of their first, one their first of two first round picks. You had this pick, Shy. You went with Jason Owe, and Owe just seems to be like a Ravens player. Don't pay attention to the zero sacks. I know he had zero sacks, and people are gonna fault him, and but he really improved on his run defense this year, which I don't think is being talked about enough. Plus, he has so many incredible tools and traits that under the right coaching, I think he can be very productive. And the Ravens obviously have great coaches and are very well run. So this, I really, 0-8 to 27 at Baltimore, it's not a lock by any stretch of the imagination, but it seems to be a popular pick in mock drafts. Yeah, the Ravens really have nothing at Ed Rusher. They let Yannick Ngakwe as well as Matthew Judon go in free agency. I know they have Calais Campbell on the interior, but that pass rush, that that uh, edge position needs to be bolstered. It is a must. Probably their, uh, along with maybe interior offensive line and wide receiver, are their biggest needs. Um, but I, I I think this makes a lot of a lot of sense. They're probably hoping a, a Jalen Phillips falls, but. That you can't complain about the athleticism of Jason Owe. So now let's go. 28 New Orleans Saints. You talked about him earlier. I took him here. Zayvon Collins, kind of a do-it-all linebacker out of Tulsa. He can rush the passer, make plays on the run behind the line of scrimmage. But look, he can drop back. You know, I, I don't want him covering every play, and I don't probably want him covering one-on-one. But he can drop back in zone. He can make plays on the ball if he absolutely has to. He's kind of a very versatile player. Demario Davis also is getting old. Collins more of an outside linebacker in a 4-3 or 3-4, depending on what you run. And Demario Davis is more of an inside linebacker. But, hey, Saints could definitely use a guy of Collins' skill set. And, again, I know he's more of a defensive end, but they also lost Trey Hendrickson. So their pass rush could use a bit of a boost in the draft. I went with Zayvon Collins. Again, I think value and need match up here as well. Yeah, this is certainly best player available in my opinion. A little bit of a poor man's Micah Parsons, if you will, for me, kind of at that 4-3 outside linebacker type of spot. Um, So I think this does make a lot of sense for the New Orleans Saints. So now the Green Bay Packers shot. You had another interesting pick there going interior offensive line, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, being mocked a lot in second rounds, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think all the buzz is that they're going to get Aaron Rodgers a receiver. This is going to be a center. They've held off on on a receiver before. I don't think it stops in this time. They really want to help Aaron Rodgers. They say, we're going to get that guy. We're going to replace Corey Lindsley in the middle, and we're going to get you a receiver, a capable number two in the second round. I yeah. think it makes the most sense for them. They addressed a lot of interior offensive line last year, but it wasn't to the mid or late rounds. So this pick, I think, makes a lot of sense here. Again, I think he probably seems more of a second-round prospect to me, 
But look, I don't think it would be a huge reach for the Packers, and they would be helping Aaron Rodgers, especially as you said, they lost Corey Lindsley. I think it was a mistake not to bring him back, but they did opt for Aaron Jones over Corey Lindsley. I thought that was a very interesting decision. Now they find his replacement. Here we go now, the final three picks, starting off with the Buffalo Bills. I had the Bills pick, and I took maybe a bit of a surprise to some. I took Gregory Rousseau, the second edge rusher out of Miami, as not too long ago, a team like this guy was going to be a top 10 to 15 pick, best edge rusher in the class. Now there's a ton of speculation of, will he even be a first rounder? I still think he has so much talent. He did have the production, 15 and a half sacks. What really hurt him was opting out. And, I, you know, you're never going to fault a guy for opting out. But I think a lot of people wanted to see him do it again. A lot of people wanted to see some consist- from some year-to-year consistency. You know, we saw, we've really seen a lot of these guys, even Phillips, who, even though he had to retire uh, before coming back because of concussions, he still played multiple years or, you know, multiple, you know, really consistency for multiple years, you know, Rousseau hasn't done that, and I think that's going to raise a lot of questions. I still think, though, talent-wise, he's still a fringe first-round guy, and I think the Buffalo Bills uh, should be willing to take that risk, picking at the very back end of round one. Yeah, I think this pick makes a lot of sense. I think the Bills might have been happier if we had, like, Jason Owe or, you know, maybe a... I don't, know, I don't want to say Aziz Ojolari, but if he's not the pick to New York, he might be available here potentially. Yeah, I, I think this would be a little, I know I think Kuiper may have had Ojulari here, but I think this would be a little low for Ojulari. I know 11's probably high, but I think 30 is also pretty low in my mind. I would agree, but I, I, the, my point is they're maybe hoping for a little bit more of an outside linebacker instead of maybe a defensive end. I think they're not complaining about Rousseau, um, but the real knock on him was just kind of the lack of technique, a lack of refinement, refinement in his game. He has kind of the the production, but the, the real knocks, a lot of his sacks come from him being moved to the inside and really just clean-up plays instead of, you know, really, you know, working around offensive tackles and, and you know, showing technique. And I think that can be developed, and I think it's, a, it's a still a very good pick to the Buffalo Bills for a guy in Gregor Russo that still has a lot of talent. They can use him in a variety of different ways. Doesn't have to rely on coming in, starting right away. They still have Jerry, who's there as well, who's really quite ancient, but his play hasn't declined too much in recent years. Yeah, and I think also, you know, Russo is young. You kind of mentioned Jerry Hughes. He kind of get obviously younger at the position as he's just getting starting to get up there in age. Russo also, he does have some versatility in the sense that he can line up outside and in the inside. He has experienced pass rushing from really every place along the defensive line, so he does bring some versatility in that area. Shy, this was your last pick, the Baltimore Ravens, the second Ravens pick. You had a tough time. You did, you made up your mind, you're going receiver, but you had a tough time deciding between which one. Yeah. I believe I was between Rashad Bateman and um, Terrace Marshall out of LSU. And I think Marshall fits more uh, what the Ravens were looking for in a wide receiver. They targeted Juju Smith-Schuster very heavily um, in this last 
uh, you know, during free agency. And I think the reason of that is because they want a physical guy who can run block, who's going to, you know... Wait, are you, wait, wait, sorry, Kai, are you going Marshall? No, 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 I'm not. You're just I, setting I, it up, I, okay. For a second, uh, that's fine, because for a second, uh, that's fine if you are, just because I know in the, you know, again, we made this mock draft, you know, not too long, uh, yesterday, and you had to go, in, you you did end up going Bateman, so I wasn't sure if you were setting it up, or you actually had, cha- had a change of heart. No, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm still conflicted, but I, I'm going to stick with Bateman. I think Marshall does fit maybe more what they want in a wide receiver, but I do think Bateman is, is up a tier a little bit. It is more, uh, is a better separator, probably a better overall receiver prospect. And I think Eric Busta tends to go with best player available when in doubt. Yeah, I agree. I would probably lean ba- Bateman's higher on my, I guess, hypothetical. It's more of a hypothetical board. You know, we don't really, I, I'm, I don't have this huge whiteboard with all, with my big board, although I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but uh, no, I, I like Bateman slightly more than Terrence Marshall, so I, I'm kind of I'm with you there. But I don't I think either receiver should not be a surprise with the Ravens at 31, and finally with a 32nd pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champions, selecting defensive tackle Levi, and I'm still working on on the pronunciation on Wuzarike. Uh I think. He has the potential to sneak in to the end of the first round. Uh, Tampa was such a hard selection because they don't have that many holes. I mean, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe... I, I believe we did not have Asante Samuel. I really could have seen Samuel. They could maybe use some help on the back end. Jamal Dean and Carlton and Carlton Davis are good players. They're not great players, so I thought... Sean Murphy, but Sean Murphy Bunting. Sean Murphy Bunting. He really did come on the scene in the playoffs, so he had a great postseason so I did consider a corner I thought you know could they continue to bolster the receiving corps but I went uh on Wunzerike you know Ndamukong Sue they did retain him but only on a one-year deal he's not getting younger we saw Vita Vea had the severe had a severe leg injury so we'll see how he bounces back and now a full season off of that so I went with Wunzerike uh, I think he's you know, if I were, I think he might end up going in the second, but I definitely think he has a fair chance in slipping in at the end of the first. Yeah, potential endowment consumer replacement makes a lot of sense. Uh, just bolster the depth on the interior of that defensive line. So, Shai, kind of one last thought. Any thoughts on maybe the NFL draft? As we are, we are less than a week away, but I don't know. For for me, it feels like we're still so far. It's almost for me. It feels like so close that I, so close but so far. I, exactly. I, 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 exactly. I know. I know what you mean, Alex. And you know, gotta gotta give you some credit. You know, it's your favorite time of the year. But the Giants, they don't they don't have a top ten pick. Just just barely. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I think it's a good thing. I I would consider it a good thing. You would consider it a good thing that I should I should be proud of my uh, my six and ten Giants not having. Not having a top ten pick, way to way to go. We're making we're making progress. In all seriousness, I actually do like what I saw from Joe Judge, and I do think the Giants are headed in a more positive direction. And I think on draft day, there won't be much that brings me more joy than the Giants trading back 
and then maybe selecting an edge rusher. Because I definitely, I'm not totally against an edge rusher. I just would be uneasy about it at 11. This is going to be a really exciting draft. I think players will fall. Surprise picks will, of course, happen. Outside of the top, outside of the top two, there's really not much we know. There really isn't. There really isn't. I think. I think the the one upside of having the Steelers pick Najee Harris uh, at twenty four, besides the fact that I don't like the pick, it's one of the more confident picks that we've made in this mock draft. So Which probably, probably means it's wrong. That probably means it's wrong. Let's hope. For your for your sake, your sake, and obviously, you know, shy. We'll, we'll probably be uh, having some type of call or, or FaceTime during the draft. So, obviously, we'll be we'll be doing something during the draft, and we'll we're gonna have a post draft podcast. Uh, probably the uh, sometime maybe the week after the draft, breaking down the first round and maybe some of our favorite mid round picks as well. That's gonna do it for this edition of the mock. Draft special NFL Game Time podcast for your host, Shai Dweck. I'm Alex Rubinson. We'll see you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.